Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, the Red and Black football beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. Welcome back to the show. This week, assistant sports editor Traven Gray joins me to discuss Georgia's dominant season opening win over Oregon. Later in the show, I'll discuss the Bulldogs' upcoming matchup with Samford with football beat reporter John James. Welcome to the show, Trey. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I wanted to start with the offense. Obviously, they were the big story of the game, scoring on all seven of their first seven possessions, touchdowns even. So what did you see out of the offense, and was anything about it surprising to you? I felt like Georgia was expected to have a great offense this year, bringing back some all-conference performers such as quarterback Stetson Bennett, such as all SEC freshman um, Brock Bowers. So bringing back those key pieces, I felt like they were expected to come out and, and play a bit better this year. Um, what was what was surprising was how much they went to the pass versus the run game because obviously Georgia is typically known as a run team where they um, – like historically, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, moving on to DeAndre DeAndre Swift. Then you have um, last year we had Zamir White and James Cook. Um, Georgia had a bunch of different targets this um, in this game. Um, um, the offense spread around, obviously, with a bunch of different receivers um, catching a pass in the game. Yeah, 10 receivers had a catch in the game. That was super interesting to me. And then seven had a reception of 20-plus yards, which is actually Kiaris Jackson today said they define an explosive play as 16-plus. So if you factor that in, it was even more. Um, but one thing I thought was interesting was almost exclusively those explosive plays seemed to come on either intermediate passes or dropping it off into the flat to Kenny McIntosh frequently, but Darnell Washington had one like that. Kiaris had one like that. Um, so I thought it was interesting, the yards after catch, the emphasis on that rather than just taking shots down the field. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of expected that to come um, because I didn't expect them to move Stetson immediately into taking shots down the field. Like we've known him for having a few different plays like that, but mostly he's more of a short intermediate pass play quarterback instead of one of those gunslinging quarterbacks like that's just his play style and it kind of carried over in that matchup it started off really quickly they were spreading out the offense in very very short passes where they would get about 10 12 yards really quickly for a first down and I believe that was by design I, I think it was especially by design and I feel like they would continue to do that instead of deeper passes unless it's more of an in towards the end zone in the red zone so I definitely think they're going to look to these short and intermediate passes and I think another thing about the game plan I really liked was moving Stetson off the, the pocket moving him around rolling him out I think that's where he's at his best a lot of the time sometimes it wasn't so much by design especially early he got flushed out a couple times the line didn't hold up great but I thought as the game went on they really grew into it and then I mean Stetson was just really awesome I mean I, I don't think I've seen him play as well as he did on Saturday, even against Michigan or against UAB, but I thought he was just excellent. So yeah, we talked about that uh, impressive performance from the offense, but now let's move on to the defense, which was a big question mark entering the game, losing eight starters from last year. I mean, what were your thoughts on how the defense performed, and uh, do you see a lot of room for improvement? I thought the secondary was exceptional in the game. Uh, obviously, Georgia had the pick, the two picks, one by Malachi Starks, the other by Chris Smith, both leading back into the offense, being able to um, open it up for them to have touchdown drives. Um, I thought the defensive line, I think, I mean, they weren't bad by any means. I believe that 
compared to what we're used to seeing from Georgia defensive lines, there is room for improvement there. Linebacks were sort of um, bystanders in this game. But I believe overall the defense was exceptional. Obviously they only scored three points. Even the B team of the of Georgia held up with a goal line stand to keep them from scoring that late touchdown in was it the fourth quarter? Yeah. But yeah. I think that late stand was very indicative of you know, it, last year one of their mottos was keeping teams out of the end zone. That was a big thing for them. Against Kentucky late, they allowed a touchdown, and Kirby was, you know, angry about that. I mean, so holding up there on the goal line, I think, was a big step for those young guys that were in at the time. And, I mean, you have to love the the teammates on the sideline getting hyped for the, the young players as well. And then, so going back to your point on the defensive line, I think I'm almost willing to give them a bit of a pass this week just because of the game plan, but they certainly weren't as disruptive as we, they've, we've been accustomed to them being in the last season. But Jalen Carter still had a few plays where I saw him just throw a man down. So I'm pretty confident that this line will come together and start to impact games more moving forward. So one of the things about the defense that was um, super notable were the young guys that stepped up. So Malachi Starks was obviously one of the headliners. Michael Williams getting a lot of playing time as well. And then Kamari Lasseter starting opposite Keely Ringo. I mean, what did you see out of some of these younger players that are stepping in to replace the likes of N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Lewis Seen, all those guys that are gone to the NFL? Honestly, athleticism. I think that's the biggest thing. I feel like their ability to make plays from themselves, even though Kirby obviously had his own thoughts about their room for improvement, but that's just kind of how Kirby Smart is. But those athletic plays, the pick, like we said earlier, to reach back and grab that and, and turn it into an interception from like the eight yard line, that's that's an that's an insane play from a, from in a, from a true freshman in his first game. So athleticism for me. I think the athleticism is a key takeaway because. When you're talking about what you want out of players who don't have that experience yet, you want to see them flying around. You want to see them making mistakes fast. You want them to be, you know, very confident in their movements because as they mature into the defense, you know, the plays will come and the understanding of the scheme will come. So I think seeing Malachi make a play like that was, you know, obviously awesome for the defense, but also just getting these guys into this this situation against Oregon and the fact that it was a blowout really allowed them to play two or three deep on defense. So I think that kind of experience will really pay off down the line. So what do you think their role will be, those younger players in those, especially going into those non-conference games such as against Stanford and Kent State? Well, I think you see that these next three games will continue to be a lot of opportunities for Georgia. Obviously, one of those is a conference game against South Carolina, but Kirby was talking about the importance of these first few games rather than the later games because you can get a, a Malachi Starks in the game right now against, you know, Samford or Kent State where they probably won't be in doubt. Nyland Greens, Javon Bullards, I mean, all these kinds of players are going to get a lot of snaps, and I think that's going to help when we when the team gets to those conference games and gets to the, you know, the bowl games they want to be involved with in the postseason. And Nyland Green specifically, I don't remember seeing any, like, snaps early on from him. Um, do you think that will change going forward, or what do you think about that? I think the defensive coaches are pretty set with the starting group in the secondary. I think Malachi has a chance to grow into, like, more of a true starter, whereas I think Dan Jackson kind of did start the game. But um, I don't know. If Kamari Lasseter struggles at some point, there could be an opportunity for Nyland Green, and obviously there will be games against Mississippi State, teams that like to spread it out, and then he could get into more packages if they go with a lot more dime looks and things like that. So yeah, moving on from some of those young players, I wanted to ask who your offensive MVP from this game is. And I'm going to say 
besides Stetson Bennett because I feel that's a little obvious. Yeah, obviously Stetson had one crazy game, but I think Kenny McIntosh will probably be my guy if I had to pick one. And just because I feel like he showed his ability to catch passes out of the backfield and um, be effective in the offense. He had he did it both with his feet and in the in the passing game. His passing game was obviously a bit more prolific with the 117 yards, nine receptions. But obviously he had five five carries for 18 for 18 yards. That's still great, given that given that Kendall Milton was more of the power back in this scenario. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I took away from this game was the ability of these offensive playmakers to make guys miss. Obviously, Kenny did it several times. Um, Lad McConkey also was shifty all game and scored two touchdowns, almost out a third. A.D. Mitchell's contested catch ability, I think, stood out a lot. And I think both him and Ladd and Darnell all had plays where they made, you know, rack plays. They made runs after the catch. And then also their blocking really stood out. I think Georgia's offense has all bought into the idea of blocking for everyone. And I think that's going to benefit them down the line because if everyone's bought in on that, it's going to be tough to stop this offense. I think that the carryover from last season is A.D. Mitchell as um, being able to make those contested catches, 6'5 receiver, he's able to go to go get it. But I think that – well, I want well, – I want to know your thoughts on the biggest red zone threats. Obviously, we didn't see a lot from Marie Gilbert in, in this game, but a bit on a bit on Gilbert and also AD Mitchell. Like, what are your thoughts on our red zone threats? So, I think Georgia's offense is going to be really special in the red zone this year because I think they can go very different routes. I think they can run it with power up the middle if they need to with Kenny or Kendall Milton. And I think when they split it out, I think we'll see Darnell Washington split out sometimes. I think we'll see, obviously, AD split out on those kinds of fades, fade routes and things like that. And then I think we will see more of a Reed Gilbert. And obviously, Brock Bowers down there is always a threat. But um, I thought it was interesting Gilbert didn't play very much until late. Um, I don't know if it could be related to his car accident at all or if he's just still learning the offense. But it'll be interesting to see how his role progresses as the season goes on. So we spoke on our offensive MVPs. Who do you think the defensive MVP was of the game? I think, obviously, Malachi was a really obvious choice just because he's a freshman coming up. But Christopher Smith, who's such an experienced member of this team at this point, was, I think, super impressive. He had one tackle in the backfield where he just crushed the guy. I mean, it was perfect form tackle in open space. And then the play he got injured on as well was a big hit, big clean hit where, I mean, he came out a little worse for wear but looks to be okay. I thought that was an impressive play on a deep shot from Bo Nix. And then, obviously, the interception. I mean, it's a mix of instincts and knowing what's coming, you know. I mean, he said it was a lot like the Clemson interception where he just sees that in-breaking route, he goes and gets it. I think that that instinctual play tied with the knowledge he has now as an experienced member of the defense is really going to help Georgia's secondary down the stretch. Yeah, he definitely showed his ability to read plays. Um, I think Chris Smith, obviously, as one of the most experienced defenders on Georgia, he's going to continue to show that. But I do have a question, though. Without overreacting, what do you think about – obviously, Georgia had Brock Bowers um, as a breakout freshman last year. Do you think Malachi Starks could be – the Brock Bowers quote-unquote of the defense this year. I was actually talking with John earlier about this at availability. I think there's a possibility. It's hard for a defender to, you know, do that and rack up the stats every week, but the way he flew to the ball, the way Kirby continues to talk about him and his teammates continue to talk about him, it does remind me of kind of when Brock was coming into the offense last year because it was immediately like, this is a player, you know, and and it's got that same vibe to it. So I certainly think he's going to be a big factor throughout the season. And 
I mean, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field in base defenses later on. I think he's going to become a star pretty quickly. And I know you're big, really, really big on Michael Williams. <laughs> what, can you tell me a bit about what you think about his potential with Georgia's defense? Yeah, so Michael got a lot of snaps, but didn't have a lot of impactful plays. I think it goes back to kind of the quick passing game Oregon was trying to use. I still believe in him. Like I said last week, I think he he's in these situational pass rushing roles right now. I think he's going to really thrive there right off the bat as there are more offenses trying to hold the ball, trying to do play action, all that kind of stuff that allows a pass rusher to actually get to the quarterback. Good stuff, Trey. Now joining the show to talk about Georgia's Week 2 matchup with Samford is football beat reporter John James. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Stu. Yeah, so I wanted to lead off with kind of some young players that you might be looking out for in this game where it's expected that Georgia will probably win it handily. Obviously, anything can happen, but that's the expectation. Uh, yeah, Georgia Georgia's coming into this game with a lot of confidence, I think, and because of that confidence... They might try out a couple of lineups, a couple of players getting in that you wouldn't normally see in a closer game. Uh, one player that I was surprised didn't play as much as he, we expected him to at least, is uh, Rick Gilbert. I know Parth is super high on him. He, he picked Rick as his breakout player of the year, and uh, he didn't really get any playing time until like the game was already out of reach. So I expect to see him uh, a lot on Saturday. Yeah, I also think Gilbert has a chance to get more involved this week. I think... I chalk it up mostly to just getting in on the scheme and all that stuff. He's still relatively new to the offense, I think. Plus, Darnell and Brock are both so entrenched as tight ends, I think. So, uh, Gilbert will, I think, have an opportunity to play more this week. But I wonder if some of the hype machine for Rick Gilbert was just a media invention this offseason, almost. It's it's interesting. It's one game, so who knows what happens in the end. But it'll be interesting to watch his kind of role progress. And then kind of piggybacking on Rick Gilbert, I think... It was interesting that he kind of got in at the same time Oscar Delp did. It was almost like out go Bowers and Washington, income Gilbert and Delp. So I think we'll see more out of Oscar Delp as well, who was super promising at G-Day. And he had a penalty. I think Gilbert also had a penalty in the game against Oregon. So he'll definitely want to put that behind him and have a, a good performance, maybe make a couple catches. Yeah, Um I think there's a lot of receiver depth in this team, which is obviously a strength. Uh, you know I'm super high on Oscar Delp, so any playing time he gets is, is a good thing for me. So moving over to the defense where there's already a lot of young players contributing early because of all the talent lost to the NFL, who are some people you're looking out for on that side of the ball this week? My guy to watch uh, this week is Bear Alexander. Uh, I want him to succeed simply because of name value. But also, a lot of the guys on this defensive line are super talented, and George's defensive line was a strength last season. I think it's going to be another strength this season, and Bear Alexander could be a big part of that. I'd like to see Bear get in some action. I don't know if he saw the field against Oregon, but he definitely didn't until late if he did. And I think, you know, the defensive rotation is so important for how Georgia likes to play that you want to be two or three deep on every position on the line. And getting Bear Alexander and some of these guys acclimated is going to be a big part of that. For me, I mean, one of the guys I'm looking out for this week is Nyland Green. I'm, I'm looking out for the secondary in general because it seems like at outside corner it's – 
going to be Keeley and Kamari, and then it looks like Nyland's involved. It looks like there's going to be Dalen Everett potentially in the mix, a couple young guys like that. So watching how they perform this week against Sanford, who is a super pass-happy team, it's a good opportunity to test that secondary. Georgia brought in five four-star defensive backs this season, uh, and I think that depth is going to be really important as they start to play the more high-powered offenses they'll see in the SEC, those Alabamas, those Kentuckys, even Florida, what with Anthony Richardson blowing up in week one. I think that's very true, and I think it's important to keep in mind with all these games, including the non-conference ones, that Georgia's ultimate goal this season is to compete for a college football playoff spot, is to compete for the SEC, is to compete for a national title. And so you're going to need players that are, are young players when injuries happen, just as the season progresses, as these guys improve, they're going to have to play in more important games. So getting a good base early is super important for these guys. So, John, for this week's paper, you've been working on a piece about Samford football. And I'm curious, as you know, not a lot of Georgia fans necessarily know much about this team, what do you think the challenges that Samford will present for Georgia are? Well, Stuart, like we just touched on, I think their defensive backs are going to be tested against Sanford because if there's one thing I know about this offense, is that it's that they're going to throw the ball. Michael Hires, their starting quarterback, he threw it for 289 yards and four touchdowns in the Week 1 game against Kennesaw State. But also, I think their run defense was also really impressive in Week 1. Uh, Kennesaw State runs the triple option, and they just couldn't get anything going on the ground against Sanford. That's interesting. I think that's an important point because I believe Georgia's going to want to run the ball this week. Coming off a game where they were super pass happy, I think it's going to be they're going to want to get Kenny McIntosh involved on the ground more. He only had five carries. Uh, Kendall Milton, kind of the same thing. I think we're going to see a lot of the run game this week as opposed to the passing game. And kind of going back to Samford, I wanted to ask about Kendall Watson, whose stats from the game against Kennesaw State really jump off the page. What did you see out of him in that game, and what kind of a receiver is he? Well, I saw a whole lot of everything from him in that game. It was it was interesting. He wasn't really getting his his in, the entirety of his targets on um, deep passes or short passes. He was kind of doing a mix of everything on the field. Um, but what what intrigues me the most about Kendall Watson is that he wasn't like a focal piece of the offense last season. He was fifth in targets last year, and this year he jumped all the way up to first. He had 187 yards in week one, and I don't think he'll be able to replicate that against Georgia, but he's definitely somebody to watch. I wonder if we could see a game like Andy Isabella had in 2019 against Georgia for UMass where he dominated and had 219 yards receiving. I mean... A game where a guy really steps into the national spotlight against Georgia and seizes an opportunity. Stuart, I think that's a that's a little optimistic, <laughs> um, but if it happened, it would certainly be something to watch. Moving on, I wanted to ask you what you think would make this game a bad win for Georgia in the case that they won the game, but there is still a problem that kind of crops up or that continues on from the Oregon game that could become a little bit of a weakness for the team moving into the uh, crux of the schedule. Well, Kirby's already kind of talked about this. He knows that Sanford wants to throw the ball. So he's coming into the game prepared for Sanford to try to throw the ball on this defense. I think they need to shut that down, and they need to shut that down quick. Georgia's defensive backs were really good against Oregon, and I think that needs to be a repeat performance against Sanford. I think it'll be a good early test for Keely Ringo. Maybe not so much him, but mostly Kamari Lassiter and some of these younger guys, Javon Bullard in the slot. I think both of those guys will be tested often, as well as you know Malachi Starks, who obviously everyone's singing his praises this week. But if he were to 
kind of have a drop off in this game, it could kind of knock him off his perch. So for me, one of the things I came out of the Oregon game concerned about from a Georgia perspective was the offensive line. I think they grew into the game a little bit, but early on, Oregon was able to push Stetson off his spot. And while it didn't affect the offense necessarily because Bennett was able to make some of those plays on the run, I think it was a concern that there was pressure early. It was definitely a concern for me. Um, scramble plays are one of the most chaotic, one of the least predictable environments in football. And I think that Stetson did a really good job of converting on those plays in week one. But I don't think that's a, something you can project him always doing great at through the rest of the season. I definitely don't think Georgia wants to live or die by Stetson's scrambling and improvisation. I think they like to get him moving, but it's more when they can design it and scheme it up. We've seen Stetson get kind of under duress and throw an interception sometimes last season in those kinds of scenarios. So I definitely think they want to avoid that. One thing I think is also worth noting is the fact that Georgia's punting game was not tested against Oregon and a lot of their special teams units didn't have much to do. Obviously, the kicking unit had a lot of extra point opportunities, but it'll be interesting to see the kind of the, the way it works when they're kicking from a longer distance, if Podlesny's on his game, and the same with Thorson. If they get into punting situations, how he looks because he is still a freshman. Obviously, his one punt was really good against Oregon, but just getting those units involved and making sure that they're up to snuff so that as the schedule moves along, every part of the team will be humming. I think Thorson being a freshman is the most critical part there. He hasn't gotten these reps and he doesn't have the experience that someone else might have. Uh, so when he gets tested, when he gets in a high-pressure situation, is he going to be able to perform at the same level as the 53-yard punt he had against Oregon? So another thing that often happens with Georgia in these non-conference games is we get an opportunity to see some of the young quarterbacks play or some of the backup quarterbacks play. Um, Carson Beck obviously got in against Oregon and looked solid. He looked solid all spring as well. Um, what do you expect to see out of Beck and maybe Brock Vandergriff if he gets in as well? I'm a big fan of Carson Beck. Uh, I, everything I've seen from him has looked tight. It's looked uh, like decisive. It's it's just been very impressive. Uh, and all of the players that I've spoken to are also like super high on him. He's got the confidence of the locker room, and I think that does a lot f to build his confidence. Um, as far as Brock, uh, I don't have as much to say about him just because I haven't seen enough from him. I think that's something we've got to we've got to keep an out for eye out for, and I think that's something to monitor going forward. I'm definitely excited to see Brock if we can this week because. You know, obviously a lot of hype coming out of high school and kind of seen as one of the options for Georgia moving forward, life after Stetson next season. But I agree with you on Beck. I've been really confident about him whenever he's gotten in. It, he has a certain poise, and it, there's a juxtaposition of him with Stetson Bennett, who is a little bit shorter than the prototypical quarterback, doesn't necessarily, you know, have that same imposing physical presence. But I think it's interesting watching Carson Beck run the offense as compared to Stetson Bennett. But they're both good in their own ways. Do you have any thoughts on Gunnar Stockton, or does he fall into the same camp as Brock Vandegrift? I haven't seen enough from Gunnar Stockton to really have an opinion formed on him. It's another thing where if he gets in the game, I'll be excited to watch him and see where he's at. Even if he does get into this game, it could be late, could be a lot of running, but if we get to see him throw the ball, get to see him run the offense a little bit, it'll be good for him. Lastly, I want to ask you for a score prediction in this game and for a pick. I do not feel like Sanford has much of a chance in this one. Uh, and I know that's going to be shocking to all of the listeners, but I've got to tell it like I, it is. Um, so my score prediction for this game is a tidy 
Bodogs 56, other Bodogs 6. You actually almost took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking 56-7. I think Sanford has enough pieces on offense that maybe late against the second or third stringers for Georgia, they get a drive going and complete a touchdown. But I think Georgia will dominate. I'd be surprised to see Sanford put up much of a fight, and I think that would be worrisome for Georgia. Um, I got 56-7. So we're both in agreement, but we'll have to see how it shakes out on Saturday. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit redandblack.com slash gameday. We'll tee it up Between the Headphones again next week.